bad people in your past to consider their role as bad people in your past. I used to uh, keep a lot of track of the, uh, the bullies in my life. People who had uh, appeared. Oh, that's kind of fun how it changes that phase. It does change it, but I prefer this. I've never had uh, individual bullies. I've always had groups that bullied me. I'm proud of that part of my personal history. <laughs> that feels pretty good. Individuals rarely would target me. It would always be a group. And I have a pretty, pretty significant aversion to groups. Pretty significant aversion to groups. Did y'all hear about the guy wearing uh, Mickey Mouse ears? Who got onto the airfield and nearly made it onto Air Force One? The Air Force is detailing a series of security failures that allowed a man to wander around Joint Base Andrews last month, the home of Air Force One. Do you hear that small sound effect? Just, uh, they're, they're probably putting in a plane right there to set the scene, set the mood. Your lower consciousness is traveling to an airport right now and you hear just the beginning of that specific kind of noise. Now the Air Force says on February 4th, a series of security failures allowed a man to wander around for about five hours before he was caught the home base for America's most important airplane, Air Force One. A report by the Air Force Inspector General says the man's credentials were not checked at the entrance. The report said the man should have stood out. He was wearing a cap that, quote, had distinctive balls on top that looked a little like mouse ears. <laughs> distinctive balls on top that looked a little like mouse ears. Mouse ears. He could have roamed around for a lot longer. Has it not been for that mouse ears? Picked up that he doesn't quite fit. Mouse ears. Mouse ears. The report says the man got nip, 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 nip. <laughs> one sec. Let's just finish it. We're near Air Force One. The report says that he got nowhere near Air Force One. Which has much more extensive security. Which has much more extensive security. You're not going to get on the Air Force One with just a Mickey Mouse cap. You need the big, the big gloves, and you need the big uh, yellow shoes to get on the Air Force, <laughs> to sneak on. I'm not calling uh, Biden Mickey Mouse. I'm just saying, if uh, you can get sort of close with just a Mickey Mouse hat on, you really need probably the full Mickey Mouse uh, plastic face. Uh, but it, I just love the Mickey Mouse gloves. 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 There was a point in my time on this planet where Mickey Mouse gloves were common at places like raves and things. Mouse ears. That's my favorite news story of the week. I remember I made uh, funny decisions. As a younger person. Very important decisions. No more toys. 
think I was 13 or 14 when I became an adult. And that was the beginning. No more toys. It was a weird one for me. It's kind of like when I first gave up drinking and I thought that I just, the only way to do it was, I'm bringing up a point about being 13 or 14, but I remember the first, you know, I remember the thir first time that I was like, this is just not working out for me. I'm giving up alcohol. In parentheses, it was after a long run of this is really working out for me too. So just to be pro-con with alcohol, but I got to my limit with it. Maybe you will too, if not. And uh, I just, I remember I had to make this bald, dramatic statement. So I grabbed all this alcohol that I hadn't consumed. It was a large bottle of vodka, a large, maybe one third of the remainder of some good bourbon bunch of beer, some other stuff. I put it all into a big paper bag, went to the nearest public trash can I could find. It was a metal barrel and I just threw it all in there. <laughs> big, uh, a big loud sound when it, uh, that's fun. Something. Big loud sound on the uh, trash when I did that. And you know, Five days later, I was drinking again, and I missed all that alcohol I'd thrown away. Incidentally, I'm coming up on about four years without a drink, and the way that I do it now is I still have those beers in the refrigerator and one half a bottle of bourbon in the cupboard, and I still regularly handle them. You know, I'll move them around to get something in the, in the refrigerator, although they're in the far back or I'll pick up the the bourbon to I don't know just whatever. And the first few times the first few times I ever did that it was kind of like frightening like I'm picking up, you know, a loaded gun. <laughs> but now it's, you know, interacting with them is a much better way to go than blacklisting yourself from ever or banning alcohol from being in your life, you know. Because if you just throw it out, you want it again pretty quick. But I guess keep the devil close or whatever. No more toys. This is also the first year that I no longer miss drinking. Mouse ears. Drinking, which is very unusual. Gloves. Mouse ears. This episode will be about ring modulators, incidentally, or ring modulation. And we'll have a lot of fun. More, more, more toys, toys, toys. And I'll get to it in a moment. But I remember being the adult when I was 13 or 14 and making the other, the first of those sort of like, I'm making a decision to improve myself. I'm gonna be an adult, no more toys. Nobody told me to. And what that amounted to was at 13 or 14, I just stopped buying toys. And I was a avid, avid toy player. Funny thing to force upon yourself and not even sure why I'm thinking about it. No more toys. So, to demonstrate that this week, we will put on a uh, Mickey Mouse hat and... <laughs> I'm just thinking, again, about the Mickey Mouse hat. Mouse ears! 
This episode of Spoken Word with Electronics is brought to you by Foresky Mastering. Based in Berlin and available to experimental musicians worldwide, Foresky Mastering is a human-based music improvement service specializing in finalizing your mixes. The weirder or more wonderful your work, the better. Visit foreskymastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I mastering.com for more information. So this, this sort of incident reminds me of the same thing that happened with the fire truck. It just makes me wonder if people are getting so strangely bored that they're doing outrageously, maybe only not even conscious things. Although the guy with the fire truck basically said he wanted to make it fly and turned on the lights and honked the horn, the emergency lights, and he just wanted to make it fly. Can you imagine that person with the fire truck wearing Mickey Mouse ears? And just how much that slightly changes the entire mood of this memory or this moment. If they were just, but you know, no matter what happened, it just would always sort of be colored by the Mickey Mouse ears. So I found that very funny that it really did happen in a very underreported sense. It was apparently much more interesting to every news source that, that I saw talk about it to sort of talk about the he nearly got the Air Force One. That's that's the story. Somebody got into an airfield and they nearly got to the Ameri- to the president. This was a security issue. But the emphasis I see it is is just what an insanely unusual narrative moment that happens in real life here. There is no explanation right now for why he was wearing Mickey Mouse ears. And that is so funny to me because it's so absurd. And so it makes me think about other props that <laughs> maybe he could have been wearing. Like he could have been wearing bunny ears. He could have, uh, you know, like um, like funny Bugs Bunny ears. He could have been wearing some Bugs Bunny ears. If he's wearing Mickey Mouse ears, he could be wearing some Bugs Bunny ears. Could have been wearing Porky Pig ears. And uh, even dumber, uh, super serious horror imagery, which would often involve like a animal mask on a human. You know, two people in like a goat's uh, goat's mask and one person in a bunny mask and all this, but like they're all the same size. So the bunny face is as big as the goat's face, as big as the horse's face. But then if they just right, just cut immediately to a guy just looking at you in a Mickey Mouse hat with the Mickey Mouse ears and just <laughs> stared right. It would break that mood so much. And that's how funny Mickey Mouse ears are. So being found saying like, you don't look right too. That was another very funny part about the news stories. They just looked and they said, he doesn't look right. Cause he's wearing Mickey Mouse ears. And again, I would love it if he was wearing Mickey Mouse uh, shoes or Mickey Mouse gloves. And I also would love it if it was Mickey Mouse. <laughs> That's even funnier. Because, <laughs> okay, 
I've just figured it out. Mickey Mouse did get onto the airfield because they were saying that they don't know how he got past this barrier, this barrier, this barrier. I'm not sure if they've said that they have footage of him doing it. They're just sort of, he got spotted all of a sudden because he had the Mickey Mouse hat on. And I bet the way it works is if you believe in Mickey Mouse, if you just believe in Mickey Mouse, you don't see him. If you just have enough love in your life to believe in Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. You know, just believe in Mickey Mouse existing. <laughs> I have my opinions about Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse cartoons. It's complicated. It's not the same as other cartoons. Mickey Mouse is kind of like the Amazon.com of cartoons, Disney is, in that you know, yeah, everybody, everybody watches Walt Disney cartoons and everybody uses Amazon.com and excessively. But there would be other, you know, wonderful other cartoon filmmakers. Like uh, the Fleischer Brothers are definitely they did Betty Boop and Coco the Clown, and they did Popeye and Superman. They also had the Inkwell series prior to that. Brilliant. Mickey Mouse stole the sense of wonder from them, you know, you know, brought it into their system, or Walt Disney did. Walt Disney even stole Mickey Mouse from its creator. <laughs> A lot of people think uh, Walt Disney invented Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse was invented by Ubi Works, and he also invented uh, Flip the Frog, which would have been, which went nowhere, but those are two significant characters he made. He created Mickey Mouse, he created Mickey Mouse. And Mickey Mouse was pretty cool, the early stuff. So even though I know that Disney also is sort of a cultural thieving evil, they're an unwelcome cultural presence to me, you know? I wouldn't mind Disney not existing at the dominance that it exists. I would, I would like other, other voices at the table, you know. But even saying that, if I saw Mickey Mouse, I want Mickey Mouse to exist, or I believe Mickey Mouse exists, and so I think that probably it's the same for everybody. And so that's how we got onto the airfield, is because if you. If you believe in Mickey Mouse, you don't see him. You just kind of believe that he exists. And so Mickey Mouse is able to walk past us all the time. He's able to walk past us all the time. It's just something Mickey Mouse can do because we don't need to see him. We believe in Mickey Mouse. So he got all the way through the security as Mickey Mouse. But then the one person who doesn't believe in Mickey Mouse looked over, and if you don't believe in Mickey Mouse, in your heart you don't. You just see a weird looking guy wearing Mickey Mouse hat. It's like the guy behind the CGI that's doing the modeling or whatever, you never see him. <laughs> it's the same way. When Mickey Mouse is being actualized or simulated, the simulated Mickey Mouse in our life, we don't see because we believe in it, but it's controlled offline if you don't believe in Mickey Mouse by a man in a, I don't know, like a slippers, socks, shorts, and a t-shirt tucked in and a Mickey Mouse hat. 
So the one guy who doesn't believe in Mickey Mouse, that's what he sees. And he goes, hey, you, you look weird or something. And he basically notices him before Mickey Mouse was able to make it all the way on the Air Force One. He would have been because, you know, everybody there in some way believes in the Mickey Mouse. So they wouldn't see him and he would get on to Air Force One. Maybe he does that a lot. I mean, obviously, all presidents believe in Mickey Mouse. So they wouldn't see him on Air Force One. He could just sit in one of the chairs for like a full plane ride, just sort of sit around the president. And they believe in Mickey Mouse. So they don't see him and all his security details believe in Mickey Mouse. It's pretty tough not to, you know. It's just one of those characters. Like I believe in Mario. <laughs> it would not surprise me. The fidelity of my memory with Mario as a character is so real that it would not surprise me just to look over and see Mario. But I know, obviously, I'm not going to see Mario because I believe in him. And it's funny because when you just believe in something but you don't see it, you can actually think about it in your head. And so if you just think about Mario running around, it's probably very vivid in either the 3D sense or the side-scrolling way. So Mario could probably get onto the Air Force One terminal himself as well. But Mickey Mouse got found by a person who doesn't believe in Mickey Mouse, so he saw him just as a grown adult in a Mickey Mouse hat. It was my favorite news story this week. I love it. But yeah, but if he'd just gotten all the way, he'd be on Air Force One. Can you imagine just being able to pop into Air Force One? You'd have to walk into it again, by the way. It's like, you might be Mickey Mouse, but you still have to make it all the way to Air Force One. That would be crazy to have that kind of ability to be invisible. That ability to be invisible. But you'd still have to get there. Here's something funny about that. You obviously couldn't drive because people wouldn't see you driving. So that's a lot more alarming to people than if they saw you as Mickey Mouse driving. So since they don't see you when you're not driving, because you're Mickey Mouse or Mario, they wouldn't see you driving and that would be a lot more alarming to them though, to see a car with no driver speeding along. So you're Mickey Mouse and you've got a desire to go to the Air Force One landing strip. The one part that makes this difficult is you gotta get there. Couldn't drive, probably the easiest way would be to sneak onto a bus, but you'd still have to like walk over to the bus. It would take some effort. And uh, maybe this guy who got found on the landing strip has found that airplanes are the easiest way to travel anyway because that's where he ends up. But that would be just a thrill. You get into Air Force One, you sit down on one of the seats and nobody's sitting down. You just sit and you're on for that full three, four hour flight, wherever they're going. You just get to sort of observe it. <laughs> That'd be thrilling. <laughs> That'd be great. What kind of other props? I mean, I just keep on going back to the only other funnier prop that they could be having would be wearing the gloves, holding on, you know, wearing Mickey Mouse gloves. It's just wild. It's, it, it's such a perfect prop. The thing that I'm realizing is it is such a perfect prop. There's so much cultural shit happening with a Mickey Mouse hat. <laughs> it's not just funny or lampooning. It's like the 
all the imperial problems of the world are represented currently you know corporate imperialism or whatever is so perfectly represented in a disney hat as a prop mouse ears and then it's also the menace and the weird shit that disney does mouse ears it always would feel like they were stealing ideas or or sort of just whatever you think when somebody's kind of acting unfairly creatively you know like damn it man they're taken from somebody that not many people know about and now they are going to just run with it and it's going to they're going to own that visual style or and then they would get so surgical good with it too disney films like bambi oh man you know just that era Bambi, Snow White, Fantasia, that era. And the sort of Disney character cartoons that ran during that same time and then a little bit later, like whenever that Haunted House one with uh, Donald and Goofy and Mickey got made. That's like peak magic. That That stuff is just so intensely layered with just creative whatever it's it's like poisonous it's like candy those old cartoons so you've got all that stuff also you know wrapped into it so yeah they did steal from everybody and they also made some of the best cartoons ever they're great there's nothing you can dislike about them except for you might might have like a principled antagonism against disney but if you do that you're still gonna feel something when you see a Mickey Mouse hat. It's that strong of a symbol. Everybody has a feeling when they see it. Even if it's as simple as I love Disneyland. (laughs) Or, Or just Mickey Mouse. For the most part, everybody just sort of thinks something when they see it. So it's like a perfect prop to change a news story. And it just did crack me up that I think that news maybe had a uh, challenge this week where they also saw it as somebody who got that close to Air Force One, so they need to really just avoid the the bell ringer in it, but they would hint that he was wearing a Mickey Mouse hat, and that is so funny, especially if you think it was actually Mickey Mouse. And it very well might have been. (laughs) So if you're Mickey Mouse and you have this uh, synth droning out a, uh, a tone to you, One thing you can do is get a ring modulator to work with it. And so tonight for our discussion, I thought I'll go through three ring modulators that I have, which I think cover, for the most part, the ground you'll encounter with a traditional ring modulator. And so I'll probably do a show on spring reverbs to sort of talk about this. Because I think stuff like that, a real spring reverb, a real coil, you know, that reverberates and that's what the sound is uh and then ring modulators those are the kinds of classic awesome things to to get to know and so we'll go in our discussion this week talk about sort of what makes a ring modulator functionally go through some sounds and i'll do it with three different ring modulators the classic sort of gold standard ring modulators moog ring modulator and I've got a Moog 102, <clears throat> sorry, a Moog MF 102 ring modulator. I've had for some time. 
it's just one of those things. It makes me sad that Moog right now is uh, no longer making these pedals because for a while they were everywhere and you could just pick them up. And uh, I love this ring modulator. I'll talk about that. And then one thing you about this the Moog uh, ring modulator is it's got a lot of stuff you can do, a lot of tweaking. Uh, there's a modulator mix, then there's also the frequency and the rate of the uh, LFO or the sound wave that modulates with the signal of audio. And sometimes it can be nice just to sort of flat combine the two signals into a ring modulated signal. And for that, I have a passive ring modulator that Michael Rucci makes, and it's in a wonderful little green metal enclosure and it just has two inputs and then a switch to modulate the two so well so that's a lot less than what the Moog can do and yet at the same time that lot less makes you focus on sort of just changing the sounds going into it not the settings because it's very rare with like a Moog one that you think about the sounds going in or feeding a carrier, you just sort of deal with the mix because you can change the frequency and other things. So it's not as important, but like a raw passive uh, ring modulator, this Ruchi one, any, the only thing that's happening is a switch to combine them. So you've got to go before you hit the ring modulator with that one and make the changes to the audio. So it's a totally different sounding ring modulator and they're great. So we'll go over the Moog one, then the Ruchi one, and then finally, <clears throat> finally, the craziest version of these I have is on uh, is in the Eurorack format, and it is a, a Metasonic's RK3, and that is a wave shaper, but it also does ring modulation. It says wave shaper or ringer, and it has its own uh, has its own carrier input too, so it works like one. So that will be the third one we discuss, is the very insane, very aggressive, bizarre, unpredictable ring modulator. And we'll try and do sort of like a test between the three of them for our demonstration and maybe side A. Following that is part 31 of The Recovery of Charlie Pickle. You're listening to Spoken Word with Electronics. This is, this is episode 49, 49. 49. And before that, we had daylight savings time occur during production this week. And I'm just wondering what version of myself is lost in that hour that skipped ahead. As a child, I used to be very frightened of daylight savings time. If I were to wake when the time would change, I would be worried that I would be trapped inside that hour that sprang forward. I was less nervous about the hour that sprang back because very clearly that's just going backwards. So you're still in a timeline with that, but springing forward. I didn't want to be awake when it would spring forward because what happens if you wake up during that moment when it's skipping forward? Then you just wake up trapped in time. And maybe you wouldn't be able to get a become free from it until the hour springing back or maybe you just live forever in daylight savings time in that sprung forward hour we might never know you're listening to spoken word with electronics this is episode 49 